the way we're running our businesses has to be different because we are actually carrying more mental load. We can't be structured in a nine to five. We can't have everyone in the office all the time. We have to be flexible enough to work around childcare situations or things that arise that are out of our control. And not only that, but in a lot of corporate environments, you have this, your work comes first and everything else comes second. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your business? Then welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast, helping home professionals and luxury brands accelerate their success with proven marketing strategies and expert industry practices. Now, here's your host, Darla Powell. BuildLane is a platform that makes it super easy for designers to specify custom furniture. They are changing the game. The end result is an unleashing of your creativity Whatever you can imagine can be built. And whether or not you're a novice at custom furniture design or an expert, Build Lane's team can make the process super easy. Head on over to buildlane.com. That's buildlane.com. Use code WINGNUT250 to get a $250 discount just for you. Buildlane.com. This podcast is also brought to you by guess who? Wingnut Social. We are a digital marketing agency for interior designers and adjacent verticals such as home pros, architects, landscapers, decorators, home stagers, home business coaches, you name it. Give us a call at 786-206-4331 or go look at our case studies from our happy, happy interior design clients at wingnutsocial.com. That's wingnutsocial.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, the Grand High Poobah of all things marketing for interior designers at Wingnut Social, Darla Jethro Powell, and I'm back after a two-week hiatus. Did you miss me? I missed you guys. I sure missed the hell out of you guys. Lots going on here. Darla Powell Home on Instagram. We've just acquired a house. I bought a new house with my girlfriend, Shell, and we are going to gut and strip and massage and caress and remodel the hell out of it. <laughs> It's a colonial that we bought in Southern Maryland, which it's a nice house. It's got some good bones. It was definitely, it was in our price range. I almost said definitely in our price range. It was at the upper end of our price range. <laughs> but we're going to make it our own. And so we hope that you follow that journey over there and give us your thoughts. Give us some opinions because there's definitely some, hey, which do you prefer this, that, or the other thing over at Darla Powell Home on Instagram. Please be sure to join us over there. I'm really, 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 really excited about this. This is part of the interior design that I love so freaking much is getting a house, transforming it. I want to do the Jeff Lewis thing, right? You get it. You live in it. Over a couple of years, you remodel it. You sell it for a higher amount because it has that Jeff Lewis touch or, or whatever. And then you just buy another one. You just keep doing that all the way to Bozeman, Montana, which is where Shell wants to move. So <laughs> we'll see. That's why I'm the chief visionary officer. And that'll make more sense once we get into my interview today with Casey Gromer. We're going to be talking about mission statements and visionary statements and being a female CEO or a woman CEO in this industry and why it's outdated. The leadership skills that we've been taught that men typically use are outdated and maybe don't apply to us, especially as creatives, as visionaries in the interior design industry. She was really, really smart cookie, had a lot to say about that. And of course, she has her own podcast. Her podcast is called Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. So that should give you a little bit of insight as to what our conversation is about. So we're going to dive into that. But before I get into my conversation with Casey Grummer, y'all know what time it is. It's time for Men and News, Men and News Sash. 
Hey, welcome back. Emily Lisi, digital content manager extraordinaire at Wingnut Social. How the hell are you? What do you got for us today? I'm great. Today is a kind of exciting one. So Instagram released another article on shedding more light into how Instagram works. So if you remember back in June, they talked about how their algorithm works. And this time they are talking about how their search works. So they start out by talking about their ranking signals, which is what they consider when you type in the search bar in Instagram. The most important one that they consider is the text that you type in. So what you type into the search bar, Instagram tries to match with relevant usernames, bios, captions, hashtags, and places. So that's the main thing that they consider. Then the second thing below that that they consider is your personal activity on the app. So accounts you follow, posts you viewed, they'll rank those higher when you search for something. They usually show accounts and hashtags you follow or visit higher than those you don't. Okay. And then the last thing they consider is information about the search results. So that'll be popularity of the accounts or posts, the number of clicks, likes, and shares, and follows that are on the post. So if a post or a account is quite popular, maybe it has millions of likes or millions of follows, those will definitely be ranked higher than those smaller accounts and posts. If I'm typing in the Instagram search bar, contractor Southern Maryland, if I have one contractor that has more likes, saves, comments, and follows versus another contractor that has hardly any of that, I'm going to get the first contractor show up more likely? Most likely, yes. But like I said, the the most important is the text search. So if, if that contractor that you're searching for, if they don't have things like keywords in their username, then they're not going to appear first because what Instagram considers first is the text and those keywords. So that's the next thing that they talk about. That's super important is those keywords. Okay. So what are some of the best practices to make sure that we show up in someone searching for our design services? The first and main one is keywords in your handle and your username. So another term for your handle is your name field. So when you go in and you edit your profile, you'll see the name field, that's your handle, and then you'll see your username. So you want to really make sure you have keywords in there. So if you're an interior designer, you want to make sure you have either interior or design or designer somewhere in your handle or your username, along with things like your location. Like if you're a Miami designer, you should have Miami somewhere in the handle or the username. I can't tell you how many times I see designers who want to be on the show or their PR agencies reach out to me and I'm, I'm looking at their social media and I have no idea where they are. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. If I want to look for contractors near me or something, I need to, I'll get contractors somewhere else because that doesn't say what their location is. So that's not really a good return on investment. Right, right. All right. So Emily, something really interesting, because I know that Instagram has said, make sure that you put keywords in your bio with your handle and your username. But we do a lot of our own research here for our clients and our social media marketing. And your research is kind of, uh, has determined something kind of different. Tell us about that. Yeah, specifically for keywords in the bio. So Instagram did say in this article that you should put keywords in your bio. But from what we've studied and researched over months and months and years is that Keywords in the bio don't factor into search rankings. So if you were to type interior design into the search bar, you might find accounts that have that keyword in their bio, but that's not what Instagram is ranking. They are, they're ranking the handle and the username first and foremost. Okay. 
Well, that's good. That's actually that's more um, more practical information since we do it day in day out. That seems to be what's working. There was something else too. I, I know this is an aside. It's a little bit off topic. Where who was it that recommended to put the hashtags back in your primary post? But that doesn't really seem to be paying off either. We were like, what really? That doesn't really make sense. But let's try it. How how's that working out for us? Yeah, we did get it straight from Instagram in this article. They say you should be putting your hashtags in the captions and not in the comment. However, this is another thing that we've studied and and tested over and over again. And we've gotten the same results, no matter if you put the hashtags in the comment or in the caption. And I think it looks prettier. Yeah, not in the caption. It looks way prettier. Yeah. I'm not really sure why Instagram is saying this. They might be planning in the future potentially to, you know, rank the caption hashtags higher than if they're in the comment, but right now there's really no difference. Okay, so good to just keep experimenting, see what your mileage may vary. And of course, it's like we say, job security, algorithms and all of that business are always changing. So that we stay on top of it so you don't have to. Yeah, we'll we'll keep you updated on if this uh, changes. (laughs) All right, Emily, thanks again for those little knowledge wisdom nuggets. We'll see you next week. Alrighty. Many new sash. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Emily. Thank you again. Thank you again for that wonderful social media knowledge. You are priceless in every way. All right. So Casey Gromer, let's tell you a little bit about the woman. Her company is called She-Sweet Boutique. Okay. She is the CEO. And I told you before, she has her own podcast, Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. But she's on a mission to help more women shift away from being the quote unquote boss in their business to leading their companies with passion and purpose. As the founder of She Sweet Boutique, Casey and her team help female founders of retail, e-commerce, and service-oriented businesses create more space in their lives while building businesses that can run themselves. Hell yeah, sign me up. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Casey Grummer to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Hey there, Casey Grummer. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. How the hell are you? Hi, Darla. I'm doing great today. How are you? I'm doing really well. I got a little bit of a frog in my throat in the green room. We were just talking about how we both have whiskey for the, <laughs> we get a little dry throat. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's the reason. That's why we both have whiskeys on our desks. <laughs> I forgot to tell you this, but I have a little running joke with my own podcast editor where I will take a sip of something, you know, if I, to, or my parched throat and I'll say, is it vodka or not vodka? So she has to <laughs> guess every week what I'm drinking in my cup. <laughs> Mine's always whiskey. So, you know, I, may, I might make it too easy on my editors. I might have to change that up. There you go. <laughs> so, Casey, when I was going over your bio for the topic, one thing that really stood out to me is that you say to toss your traditional mission and vision statement out of the window. And you have a, a different kind of paradigm for leadership, outdated leadership structures for female founders, because I think we're all familiar with with the traditional styles of leadership and mm-hmm. being a CEO and running your own business. And, you know, I know for me, for both Darla Powell Home and Wingnut Social, we have the mission and vision statements. Yeah. So let's just go ahead and dig in. What the hell? All right, let's do. <laughs> and now I'm nervous because I did not go look at your mission and vision statement before we hopped on. So, you know, don't take anything we talk about personally. But one of the things that I do is I work with what I like to call visionary women entrepreneurs. And... There's always some confusion 
when we start working together about what a good vision really is. And so one of the things they've recognized over many, many years of looking at lots of different um, vision and mission statements is, is that many times we're spending a lot of energy trying to come up with a perfect words to describe these things so that we can check a box off of our business strategy or our business plan. A lot of us are creating business plans for one reason or another. But so one of the things I recognized as I was reading through a lot of different entrepreneurial vision and mission statements is they meant nothing to me. They were words, they were pretty words, they were beautiful words, and they didn't really do much. And so I started working on and I pulled a lot of inspiration from Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, and started thinking about now how can I apply this in everyday situations and make this easier for folks to think about their vision statement. And so one of the things that, and I think a vision statement is so important because even the most visionary of us have a hard time articulating what our vision looks like. And so one of the things that I do a little bit differently when I'm working with a new client and we always start with a vision. We have to because none of the work that we do matters if we don't understand what it is we're trying to accomplish. And so one of the things that I do a little bit differently is instead of starting with the words and what your vision is, I ask them to think about the world 10 years from now. And I ask them to describe tangibly what that looks like to them. And this is a whole process because it's almost like sitting in a therapy session <laughs> because you have to start digging, right? So if mm-hmm. they say something and I'll, I will have to ask them, okay, well, what does that mean? And why is that important? And what does that look like to you? And what we're really trying to get to is a, is a tangible description of the future. And most vision statements don't really take that into consideration. And so you read the words and you can't form a tangible picture about what that looks like. And so when we're creating visions for our clients, we want not only the client to think about what the outcome of what they're doing is going to look like down the road, but also anybody who's working with them or for them and supporting them in the business. Okay, so since we're starting out with the vision statement right here and the importance of that and projecting that out 10 years from now, what is the difference from a vision statement crafted now versus the traditional mission statement that you're saying toss out the window? So the difference is that we start with this tangible description. And so this description might be, you know, a set of 10 to 15 different bullet points of what you see down the road. And I'll give an example of one of the clients that we've worked with in the past. She had a business with environmental impact as her vision. And when we looked at her original vision statement, for example, and then we went through the exercise that I described, what we found was like her original vision statement was was very much focused on kids and families and teaching them environmental responsibilities and things like that. But when we really um, broke it down, what she was looking for were um, changes to policy changes to corporate structure and how corporations are managing themselves, reducing footprints. And so what she's really doing is cultivating these young kids to grow up with a understanding how important environmental impact was so that they could go into politics or into their communities or into their businesses and to make those changes. And the concept was that it starts now, like you instill those values now. And so we completely rearranged her vision statement to 
sort of incorporate those thoughts and ideas so that as she was creating her business plans quarter after quarter after quarter, we were able to bump them up to that new vision statement and say, how is this impacting our customers? And is it achieving the result we want, you know, to getting getting them into this mindset of I'm going to take an interest in the environment in the future? Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the mission statement then. So you have mission and vision statement. Just for clarity here, can you tell tell us what exactly what the differences are between those and how is how is the mission statement now? Are we still doing a mission statement or are we Yep. You know what? This is actually still something I even struggle with today because if I think about as as I'm creating so the mission statement to be clear, I mean, I'm sure most of your listeners know that a mission statement is what we're focused on. So the, if the vision statement is what the magic wand of the world in the future, the mission statement is this is how we're going to impact this in ourselves. And I'll give an ex- another example of that as my own mission statement has to do with obviously women and women in leadership. And one of my descriptors on my vision is, um, hello, Madam President. (laughs) And obviously, I am not single-handedly or my company is not single-handedly going to bring us a woman president. But the idea that every thought I put out into the world, every product I create, every service I do, every client I serve is somehow contributing to the change of the norm in how we view women in leadership. And so your mission statement is that focus. And so a lot of mission statements are very narrow, and some vision statements are more wide. But instead of thinking about what our mission is, that's like a goal. And what we're looking at mission statements instead is what is our focus? What are we focused on? And what are we doing to contribute to this world that we see in the future and how it's going to be different? So is it fair to say that a mission statement would be something, and I'm going to be very loosey-goosey here, to the effect of, okay, Darla Powell Home is an interior design firm focusing on sustainable resources and organic design with a contemporary flair or something like that. For a mission statement and the vision statement would be what we're focusing on and where we see ourselves in 10 years as far as how we're growing from an internal perspective or from an external perspective. You know what I'm saying? Like we want to do A, B, C, or D, or is it we're saying we want to be A, B, C, or D for the client? This isn't a blanket. Like everything is custom to what fits you best, but it's your vision statement is more like, I want to live in a world where, or I am going to live in a world where, and then you do, you know, your vision statement has to describe how that change is going to happen. And the mission statement is how I'm going to focus on getting that there. So my mission statement is more on tools and resources for cultivating leadership skills in women. And the vision is, so then that's how that's contributing to, obviously, a world where women are in leadership, and it's like the norm. Like, we're not, we don't have to call attention to the fact that we have a new woman CEO of a Fortune 100 company, because it's not interesting anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I love that, right? Why should we? Why should we separate it? We're we're all people out there doing our best. I don't think we should differentiate so much anymore. It's like, oh, isn't it great that a woman can be in that position? I just think it should be, isn't it great that you're in that position? I do see that we have some more work to do in that regard, but I think that it's changing some. So let's talk about women. Let's talk about women in leadership. And you say that outdated leadership structures aren't working for a lot of female founders, CEOs. So what's going on with that? 
Well, so I come from a corporate background. Many of us come from a corporate background. And I also, um, I have my MBA. And when I was studying for my MBA and working in corporate, when I left corporate and went out onto my own, not only did I recognize for myself, but also the clients that I was working for is that the advice that we're getting and the books that we're reading and the gurus that are telling us this is how business works, this is how we get to be successful wasn't working for me. And, and I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why is this not working <laughs> for me? And the reason is because, I don't know, I think this is what a 30 minute podcast interview, um, we yeah, don't have time to go through all of it. <laughs> but some of the the basics of what is still and outdated are the hustle mentality. So, you know, hustle might get you somewhere, but if you're a woman, and especially if you're a mom, you are also caretaking, you are raising kids, you are taking care of the home, most likely. That's another conversation for another time. (laughs) But so the way we're running our businesses has to be different because we are actually carrying more mental load. And so we can't be structured in a nine to five. We can't have everyone in the office all the time. We can't we have to be flexible enough to work around childcare situations or things that arise that are out of our control. And not only that, but in a lot of corporate environments, you have this, your work comes first and everything else comes second. And that's just not the way it is. And so the other outdated idea that I speak a lot about is this idea of a CEO, right? We're all Mm -hmm. gunning to be a CEO. We all want that title. But when you think about the traditional CEO and what that looks like, you're picturing, at least I am, in my mind, I'm picturing a guy behind his executive desk. He's got skyscraper windows in the background, a suit and a tie and a very stern, serious look on him his face. And he's the guy that runs the show. He's the guy that makes the decisions. He's the guy that clears the obstacles like he's in charge of everything. And as a woman entrepreneur who's carrying all this mental load, either we don't have capacity to be the puppet masters of every single aspect of our business. And I think it's a new concept that you can have a business, you can run a business, and not only do you not need to be in the day-to-day every single day, but you can build a business where you can actually step away and have other people with significant portions of the ownership of that business. But as long as you're all still working towards the same vision, it doesn't matter if you're managing everything. And if you're putting out all the fires, and if you're doing all the things, you're still the owner of the business. I love that you said that. So I have a couple of points on that. The first one is, is that in this culture of you're like, hustle, 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 hustle. I'm sure when you said that Gary Vaynerchuk, came to mind. If right? If you follow anyone follows Gary Vaynerchuk, he's like, ah, oh, you know, you need to get out, you need to be hustling, you need to be working 120 hours a week. Yep. And so, but that's a very male, right? Oriented. He has the privilege to be able to do that. Right, uh, right. Let me tell you something, Darla. You told me I could curse on your show if I get passionate <laughs> about something. Yeah. I hustle 120 hours a week. I promise you, I do. It's just that not every 120 hours of that hustle is dedicated to my business. <laughs> I, ah, I see what you're saying. And I, I would say that since I've changed, and I did this pretty early on, I think I really got lucky. I didn't have any guidance when I started delegating things and, and removing myself as a cog or 
or as a, as a bottleneck, I would say in my business where everything had to revolve around me and people didn't have autonomy. When I started giving them autonomy and, you know, decision-making and able to run things, I, my life looks more like the Tim Ferriss four-hour work week than yes. does the Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, hustling 150. And I don't have kids yet. I'm working on it. <laughs> I am so glad to hear you say that you, I, I'm so glad that you had that experience mm-hmm. of, you know, and I think part of this other, you know, we talked about how it's different or it's stale and outdated is that for some reason or another, and I don't know if this is gender stereotypical or if it is kind of, you know, happens to everybody, but I think there's this value and worth conversation where we've created a society where we feel like if we're not hustling, we're not worthy of the making the money. And so we have women who are either I don't deserve to get paid or I don't deserve to work four hours a week and still bring home the same amount of money. I need to be hustling 120 hours a week just to get that little measly paycheck that I give myself as an entrepreneur. Have you visited our sponsor, buildlane.com? If you haven't, why haven't you? You know, when I was doing full-time interior design in Miami, Florida, I would have given my whole collection of Star Wars action figures to have known about Build Lane because we were doing a buttload of custom furniture work. The logistics were awful, but Build Lane, the genius behind them is they've solved that. They are basically a one-stop shop for all of your custom furniture needs. They have a whole stable full of vetted vendors that are capable of building almost anything you can imagine. And all you have to do is give them a fully specified CAD file or a pencil drawing on a cocktail napkin. And Build Lane is going to match the needs of the piece that you need with one of their highly vetted factories that has all the capabilities to make that. And they'll return a quote to you. You get your own little manager. You can show your clients, here is your beautiful piece getting built along the way. Aren't you freaking excited? Guys, this is the perfect opportunity to up-level your interior design game to make yourself that designer who can offer things that no other designer can. You need to get over to buildlane.com fast. And be sure to use the special code WINGNUT250 for $250 off of that whole situation right there. That's buildlane.com, wingnut250. You're going to love them. Hey, this is Darla from Wingnut Social. Wingnut Social is a marketing agency for the interior designers. And I know something about that because I am an interior designer. And when I was doing full-time design in Miami, Florida, my social media marketing made all the difference in bringing me leads and clients. And not only that, but broadening my awareness, my reach, my brand awareness, and keeping me top of mind for clients when they were ready to pull that trigger on my interior design services. And right now, I know you guys are super, super busy. But we all know that it's not going to last forever. So it's very important to keep top of mind and keep that pipeline stoked for when this super unprecedented busy design season decides to, you know, go away to do the opposite. And right now we have two slots left open for our full service digital marketing before we close enrollment for the fall and reopen it back sometime in December. So two spots left open for our full service social media marketing. We are busy, busy, busy. We have a waiting list. And that is because we have a very low churn rate. And what a churn rate means in the industry is, you know, someone comes in, someone goes out, someone comes in, someone goes out and sales has to, you know, churn has to keep on top of it. Well, at Wingness Social, nobody leaves. (laughs) Nobody leaves. 
which is a testament to the job that we do for our clients. As a matter of fact, you can go to wingnutsocial.com, check out the case studies at the very top navigation, and you can see some of the results that we've managed to achieve for our clients while doing their digital marketing. Head on over to wingnutsocial.com or give us a call at 786-206-4331. We'll be happy to help you out. Yeah. It, and you know, sometimes I do get a little twinge of guilt when I've, if I've only worked like five or six or even less hours in a week, I'm like, oh, what am I going to do to justify my existence? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have to remind myself and build myself and to say, okay, this is what I have done to bring myself yes. to that spot. It was not an overnight thing. Don't, don't get me wrong. You can't just start delegating. Guys, you have to build this and build systems and processes and have that in place. But oh, it is so nice to know, you know, I don't feel like working today. Emily, you got it. <laughs> well, you know, and if you're if you're someone who's come from a corporate environment, it's easy to justify because you're sitting in that office in that building. And so therefore, you are owned by the corporation and you deserve that paycheck where, you know, if I think about the time I spent when I was in the corporate office, 50% of my time was at the water cooler in the break room in the bathroom, you know, <laughs> lunch dates. So yeah, <laughs> have you ever, have you seen those memes where it's like, oh, I'm pooping on the on the my job's dime. <laughs> yes. yes, I that's I saw one recently that said exactly that. I can't wait to get to work so I can poop on the company's dollar. Yeah, it was so great. <laughs> I love it. I I love that. That's so fun. Okay, so women CEOs and men CEOs. So we're we're starting to break the the surface here of the iceberg. I will say when you started talking about the CEO, you know, talking about the guy in the suit, I was actually thinking about Sigourney Weaver and her shoot suit with a shoulder pads and working girl. I don't know. That might be before your time. It was a movie back in the day with Harrison Ford and Melanie Griffith. It was a really good movie. <laughs> shoulder pads. Now that's another stale, outdated business practice. I, I used to wear them in high school, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Didn't we all? I think we all did. I think that it was a very short-lived fashion because I remember cutting mine out of my shirts at yes. one point. <laughs> yeah. Me and Alexis Carrington, we wore our shoulder pads. Okay. So so we talked about what why being a woman CEO is a little bit different than the church. So traditionally, we do have some different roles in the family and stuff. But, you know, some of that's changing, too. You're seeing more stay-at-home dads. You're seeing, you know, more things, more parity in that regard. So aside from our personal obligations with health, family, and home, what other things are different about being a woman CEO? We have the societal norms. And it's things that we may... Until I started studying this stuff because of, I'm like, you know, this is different. And I started reading the articles and reading the books and studying the conversations. And some of the stuff I didn't even recognize. Like, I'm like, oh, I, you know, that hit me right in the face. But so one of them we already talked about, which is hustling for our worth. So women put in, and I, Share the with the Gary Vaynerchuk story. I hustle 120 hours a week, but I only get paid for maybe 20% of my weekly hustle. And so there's that stereotypical thing. And then, and when you go back all the way to like, you know, the um, who's the gal with the airplanes from World War II, the, the red bandana? Her name is totally... Oh, Rosie the Riveter. Yes, Rosie the Riveter. You go back to Rosie the Riveter when women started to go into the workforce. 
And at, at that point, we were revered, right? Which was Rosie mm-hmm. Revere. So we were the <laughs> heroes that were saving the day, you know, creating all of the the weapons and the tanks and the ammo and the whatever the men needed to go to the war. And then the men came back and they're like, oh, just kidding. We want you back in the house taking care of the kids where you <laughs> belong. We want our jobs back. And so, you know, I think some of the struggle we have is that women don't recognize this and men don't recognize it either, that there is just something subconscious conscious that that says, you know, the men are like, and I and I don't blame them. They're all CEOs, right? Why would I want to give up my CEO role just so that we can start to look at women as more equitable, you know, in right. in the business. They're not gonna just hand over these roles. And so I think the switch over from what is what are women good at? Why can women, how can women make money? How can women provide financially? How can women run companies? This is all something that's kind of subconsciously ingrained in us about what, you know, what we can do, what our worth is, and what our role is in society. Well said. Okay, now this is another thing that I want to know what your paradigm is on this. And we did talk about having the vision and the mission statements, but I'd like to know, in your words, what is the difference between being a CEO and a visionary leader? Yeah. Okay. So this is something that comes up a lot. And in fact, it's one of um, my most listened to podcast episodes. And so like I explained before, and we all kind of understand because I already explained it, kind of the CEO mindset is someone who's really organized. They're a great leader. They're someone who is good at planning and executing. They know what's happening on all the different functions of the business at all the times. They're leading and they're holding people accountable and they're getting stuff done. So that's more of the CEO style leader. And that that would be me. I am that person. Mm-hmm. Now, a visionary leader is somebody who, and I, I'm not going to put you in a bucket, but a lot of my clients are ADHD. So, and I don't like to call them that because I don't think that it's a disability or a learning ability or a learning challenge or any of that. I just think we think differently. That's and me. That's me. Yes, 100%. So these visionaries are idea people. They have 100 ideas a day. They're, <laughs> they don't like being tied down to a desk. They don't, I mean, they might love people, but they don't want to be responsible for people. <laughs> And so let's be honest, Darla, these are the people that are changing the world. These are the people that are starting up amazing companies. And then what happens is they get burnt out because they're like, I don't want to manage people and I don't want to create business plans and I don't want to sit in a desk all day. And so this visionary style leader is someone who, I mean, that's your job. And if you think of the CEO, this is me again, the CEO I don't sit and generate ideas. And so my business stays stagnant a lot of the time because I'm operating. That's what I'm doing. I'm keeping things running day to day and I'm not sitting and dreaming about tomorrow and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. (laughs) I'm laughing because I am. I'm dreaming about tomorrow. (laughs) I'm like the opposite. I'm like totally visionary. I come up, but my team probably wants to kill me every five seconds. Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. And they're probably like, holy crap. It's a good thing we have health insurance. Yeah. (laughs) We... 
we need to celebrate you, Darla, because, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about all that. So it sounds to me like the, a happy medium would be like the ideal leader, right? A little bit of a CEO, a little bit, a little bit of rock and roll, a little bit of country. Yeah. Well, that doesn't happen a whole lot. But yeah, so the way we approach visionary style leaders is we give them permission, first of all. I don't know if you take days where you're like, you know what, this is my job. I just want to sit and dream. Yes, yeah, I do. And I get, I get burned. I get, I get roasted hard <laughs> for it. I'll take two or three days and just kind of be like, not really focused on anything because that's, that's when it comes to me. Yes. Yes. And yeah. I can't explain it. And it seems lazy and I feel guilty about it sometimes, but that is, it's important for me. I have to, I, I go balls to the wall for a second and I pull back for a bit and then just kind of, you know, absorb things, yeah. think about it. What's next? What am I going to do? I'm in no particular hurry. <laughs> so I work with a lot of women that feel that way that you like I in fact I have a new client that I've been working with I convinced her to do she hadn't left her desk in like 10 years or something and I convinced her to do this and she came back and said the same thing you did like oh my god that was so amazing and she she's like we've got a new stretch goal and you know <laughs> she came back with all this energy and i and i said you know what i think we just need to rewrite your job description and that's what we do and i frame it that way to these people that that is your job i mean that's your job in the company and if nobody's doing that i mean if you're not doing that nobody's doing that that's what i meant to say and if nobody's thinking about the future, you're going to be like me and you're going to be stagnant and you're going to just be <laughs> comfortable with the way things are. And so you just build your business differently. And so one of the things I do is I'm, I partner with visionaries. So we're like yin and yang. And so we work together and I'm like, okay, you go do your part, which is this dreaming and peopling and shaking hands and creating partnerships and whatever it is that, you know, lights you up as a visionary. And then my role is to do the rest of it. I manage the people and I execute the plan and I keep the train on the rails. And so as a visionary, if you know that about yourself, you're like, okay, that's what I'm working towards is to get to this place where I can dream and not worry that my company's falling apart, right? Because I'm doing so much dreaming. <laughs> right. So for that, I have Emily, who's my uh, digital yeah. content manager. I have my bookkeeper. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Hi, we're Emily. All, we're all just like, I always say, hey, what do you think about this hashtag wingnut? Just so they know where it's coming from for my head. So okay, so before <laughs> before um, we're running kind of towards the end yep. of our interview here. But so I want to ask you before we get into the what up wingnut round, how do we as women start, what steps do we take to get out of the day-to-day -day operations in your business in order to free us up a little bit? Well, it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -mm. <laughs> so <laughs> the first thing is to recognize what style you are. Are you somebody that still wants to stay connected to the day-to-day? -day, or are you someone like you, Darla, who is like, you know what, this is my wheel. My wheelhouse is the ideas and the creativity. Yeah. So decide which style you are. And then if you are someone that needs to get out of the day-to-day, -day, we use what we call this, we call it um, a functions chart. If you're familiar with the entrepreneurial operating system, they call it the accountability chart. But you basically need to identify what are the major functions. Now, don't think in terms of people. Think in terms of functions. What are the major functions that happen on a regular basis that keep this business running day-to-day? -day? Mm -hmm. And then once you've defined those 
functions, you list out what's involved in this function. And then you kind of do this exercise, which is what are the things that I'm really good at or are my zone of genius and what are the things that aren't? And that's where you start with getting some of those things off of your plate. But Maybe before you do that, one of the great places to start is some sort of person. Like you need your own manager is basically what you need. So you either need like an executive assistant or an admin assistant or some type of person who is like, okay, Darla, I'm going to make sure <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to make sure that all the ideas that come out of your head have a place to go so that we can revisit them. And maybe that's not right now. And but here's what we need to focus on today. And Keeping you, you know, organized and focused. <laughs> On track. Yeah. Off the crack. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a good place to start. <laughs> All right. Awesome. I love that answer. And you know, I've been remiss and I didn't see it in your bio. What is your podcast name? Oh, well, thank you for asking. My podcast is Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. We're talking about a lot of this same stuff on the podcast and also going into lots of detail about the tools that you were asking me about is how do we as women business owners get to this place where we enjoy being in our business again, and it's not running us. Awesome. All right. That was some terrific information. I do feel a little validated. So thank you, thank oh, you for that. Oh, <laughs> anytime you need validation, you just send me an email. I am the validation queen. <laughs> I love it. So now I have to ask you, are you ready for the What Up Wing Nut Round? Ooh, I am ready. Now it's time for What Up Wing Nut. Wing Nut. Casey Grummer, what would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Well, I think it would be one of two things. Either I'm not dead yet, hashtag I'm not dead yet. And if anybody is a Monty Python fan, that's <laughs> I just straight, was thinking of that, yes. <laughs> straight from that movie. Um, and then uh, maybe the other hashtag is I have an opinion because my husband tells me I have an opinion about everything and it's true. I do. And that's probably going to be the death of me someday. That's one of my favorite all-time movies, Holy Grail. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> It's merely a flesh wound. (laughs) Bring out your dead. All right. You're stuck on a deserted island, but you can have your favorite food forever. What is it? If I could just run coffee intravenously every day, I could survive without food, to be honest. But, you know, my guilty pleasure is ice cream and it shows. (gasps) Same, same, same. Favorite brand. Favorite flavor. Go. Oh, my gosh. Oh, favorite flavor. Okay. So (laughs) there's local ice cream shop and they have this flavor called Exhausted Parent. (laughs) <laughs> that's my, that's me. I'm like, I don't even care if it tastes good. Just eating it makes me feel special. <laughs> it's bourbon infused in case was anybody was say, wondering. I was going to say it tastes like tears and bourbon. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Last but not least, please recommend a book that has had a profound impact on you either personally or professionally. All right. I have to give a shameless plug um, for my own book, A Fresh Wave of Marketing on Amazon. That's cheating. I know, but the impact to me was just just the sense of accomplishment in doing something like writing a book. But I have to recommend to anyone who's listening, I don't care who you are in your business, the book Rocket Fuel by Gino Wickman. If you're running a business, this book is going to be just throw flames at you for ideas and ways that you can improve and simplify and operate in a really calm and peaceful way. All right. And that's Rocket Fuel by Gino Wickman? Yes. All right, cool. So I'm going to put it in my Audible queue. I love to listen to books. I always have to have like a little background. Oh, don't do Audible. You can't. No, why? I love it. I mean, sorry, Gino, but it's terrible. Oh, the book is awful. No, yeah, the Audible is awful. Like, I don't know who's reading it, but (laughs) I've had hypnotherapy sessions that were more interesting than that Audible. (laughs) 
All right. Okay. Good to know. So actually get a book and read, Darla. Yes. Come on. What's wrong with you? Um, You know what? It's one of those headline, you know what I mean? Where you can like scan the headlines and be like, okay, I, it's, there's lots of pictures. So oh, I don't know great, if that's good. helpful for you. That's good for me. Any, any connect the dots or color, you know, color? Yeah. I, oh gosh. I think I'm going to write a book with some connect the dots in it. <laughs> awesome. All right, Casey, please tell the listeners where they can go to find out more about your, your services. Do you have any of these exercises available on your website? I am working on it. I am, I'm, I've been working on it for way too long, but yes, I'm putting all of my resources out on the website. I'm just, I need, <laughs> I need somebody to manage me. So I'm just waiting to record um, the quick, you know, tutorials for how to use these resources and they should be out on my website pretty soon, which is she-sweetboutique.com. And of course, I would welcome any new followers and listeners to the podcast, Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. Awesome. Well, they're on their way. Casey, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. You've been a terrific guest. Darla, you're awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for noticing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know about you, but I feel a little bit better about just sitting around and staring off into space until some epiphany hits me. You know, say what you want. It's worked. It's worked out pretty well. I would like to have like that hybrid though. I'd like, I I think I do to some extent. I'm definitely way leaning more towards the creative and thinking up the stuff and the direction we want to go more than I am the regular stuff. But I'm, I also do a lot of admin. I do, (laughs) I do some admin. I get in there and I do payroll and I set up our health insurance and now we're doing a 401k. But, you know, truthfully, if I really digest that, I'm I'm just thinking, hey, let's do a 401k, fill out a quick form, and, and other people are really handling it. So, <laughs> ah, par for the course. So thanks, Casey. Thank you for a little bit of validation there. Next time uh, my girlfriend's like, hey, are you working today? I'm like, this is me working. <laughs> I'm going to play this episode for her. You guys, don't forget, Wingnut Social is a social media marketing agency for the interior design world for you guys, the designers and adjacent verticals. You could be coaches, you could be workrooms, stagers. And I have to tell you, pretty proud, pretty proud of Wingnut Social and my team. We have positioned ourselves as the marketing firm for interior designers in the industry. In fact, we are full up. We are at capacity. We are now opening up our wait list for the fall. It's looking like probably... Uh, let's see, it's almost October now, right? So it's looking like uh, probably late November, December. December's not fall anymore. It's winter, right? Well, we'll just call it fall. <laughs> fall sounds better. So um, if you wanted to make an appointment to talk to me about what that might look like, just head on over to wingnutsocial.com, the contact us little section right there, and um, reach out. You can you can set up an appointment right, right then and there. So just be aware that we do have a wait list, but that's a good thing. So what that's really saying, and I'm super, super proud of my team, for this is that people are coming to us as clients and they're so happy that they're not leaving. And we like to concentrate on quality rather than quantity. So it's not a it's not a churn thing, you know, one in, one out, one in, one out, which is what you'll find with most digital marketing agencies. Most digital marketing agencies have what's called a very high churn rate. But we have been blessed with the fact that our our designers, our clients, and that one off dentist. <laughs> Stick around because we're doing such a tremendous job for them. So I highly recommend or highly suggest, I should say, that you go check out wingnutsocial.com. Look at those case studies. Look at our track record, what we've been able to 
accomplish for our clients using our proprietary strategy method. I did do an episode on the case studies with some examples of what we have managed to accomplish for our clients. That'll be in the show notes at wingnutsocial.com slash podcast. Don't forget to go over and see our sponsor at buildlane.com. Tell them Darla sent you, and don't forget that you get that $250 discount with the link. That'll also be in the show notes. And that's it for this week. We'll see you next week. Remember to get out there, get uncomfortable, and be great. You've reached the end of this episode of Wingnut Social, but that's only the first step into accelerating your business the Wingnut way. Head on over to wingnutsocial.com to see how we can help you take your business from social mediocre to social media master. Hey, welcome back, Emily Lisi, the Grand High Poobah of whatever it's socially working on. I'm sorry. Next is Manny News. It's time for Manny News. Good boy, Mango.